The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. We live in a world of fees. Airlines, hotels, food delivery, and especially car dealers all charge excessive last-minute fees. When you want something badly enough, it feels like your only choice is to pay up. But what if you had a choice to take a stand instead? At Carvana, we believe in treating you better. With zero hidden fees, you can drive off without feeling ripped off. That's what it means to live fearlessly with Carvana. Stella Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babu, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Yo, it's episode 237. What's up? I'm John Schnepp. You're watching Collider Heroes. It's a Wednesday. It's a power-packed edition. I can't barely even talk about it because we've got Superman Action Comics 1000 in the house. That's right. 80 years of superhero comics. Started with Action Comics. Superman still rocking. Eight different covers to rock out. You're looking at the Mike Allred run. I got the Steve Rude one in the back. I got a couple of those variant sketch covers that'll be kicking out at San Diego Con where I could draw on them. Coy, what do you think about being 80 more here years. for 80 more years? 80 more years. That's right. I got Coy. I got Ashley. I got Marquia yes. in the house. Thank you guys for being here. It's a very special day. Why is it so special? Uh, Jupiter Jet number five is out today. That's right. <laughs> Ashley, you are, you are getting to carry on in the amazing tradition of comic books it's, with your number five against a 1,000. It's almost, like five is really close to 1,000. It's, so yeah, it's, it's 995 yeah. more issues yeah. for you to go. But congratulations Thank on you. your comic. Thank and uh, yeah, the, your comic will be, be collected in a trade yes. in May. This comic right now is available. It's kind of a it is one a little of those mini trade. a bit of a mini trade, yeah. I'd say. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's eight ninety nine. You get a, a lot of different creators involved. I mean, some of the top tier creators are in this comic book, and I I've, I just literally picked it out and was able to flip through it. I mean, you got Jeff Johns, you got uh, Olivia Copiel, you got Brad Metzer and John Cassidy, Walt Simonson, Louise Simonson, Jose uh, Luis Garcia Lopez with inks mm-hmm. by Kevin Nolan. You got Dan Jurgens and Norm Pond. You got, I mean, you know, I mean John Romita Jr. Yeah, I yes. mean Pierre Tomasi. You got Scott Snyder. You got a little Bendis flavor in there. So, I mean, everybody's in it. Richard mm-hmm, Donner yeah. helped at, write something. Everybody's in this comic. <laughs> and there's a little Krypton flavor. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But 
What are you guys' thoughts about Superman 80 years in the making? Let's start with you, Ashley. Um, I was fortunate enough to actually get to read that issue last night. Uh, cause some nice people sent me a digital copy of it. <laughs> I think it's tremendous that Superman has lasted this long. I think it speaks to the legacy of comics as modern mythology that they have stayed around this long. And I just think that Superman has never looked better than he looks in the pages of this issue. He's so beautiful. Why not? <laughs> I don't know if I'd say beautiful. It's, but oh, that I, Olivia I will accept, I will accept you gorgeous saying man. You, you, you get to the man. Olivia Copiel story. He's beautiful. <laughs> right, like I said, I haven't gotten to that part. <laughs> but what are your thoughts about Superman? Uh, yes, I also had a chance to uh, see a digital what? copy, thanks to a friend. And um, I'm not a Superman person. I wasn't as a child. But... Reading this anthology, it kind of, it turns your head. It Mm -hmm. really does. Because one of the things is that, I guess I forgot how freaking awesome, cheesy, good that Superman actually is. And how much love there is in, you know, Action Comics 1000. Mm -hmm. Dear God, Action Comics 1000. It it really does bring you around. He's a genuine good guy. And I forgot how much I kind of need that, especially right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is the perfect time and the perfect time for uh, Brian Michael Bendis to to take over with Superman. I'm I'm Back on the Superman train? Hell yeah. Wow. How do you, what do you think, Coy? I haven't gotten a chance to read it. I did not get a digital copy sent to me, unfortunately. I'm not amongst this. <laughs> Don't worry about digital <laughs> copies. Me and Coy actually read real yeah. comic books. <laughs> What's up? I'm holding a real yeah. comic book. I won't oh my God, it I dropped it. Oh, that's not worth money anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm reading this, son. This ain't going in any kind of slab type situation. I'm reading this comic book. So read it. I know. The DC print uh, department is just uh, having an infarction. There you go. I'm picking mine up today, and Bendis uh, revitalized Spider-Man 2000. Bendis is yes. so good at making characters pop. Mm-hmm. Bendis has this amazing ability of making a character both classic and timeless and new at the same time. Like, he can invent a villain and it feels like you've been with them for the 80 years he's been around, but it's someone brand new. And he also writes like he's known the character their whole lives. So I love that there's a, a new writer that I feel so strongly about jumping on the 80-year mark. And I'm, I'm so in love with DC right now. Tom King's Batman, yeah. Bendis on Superman. I cannot wait to pick that up. And I really think that you were saying the 80 years, the show's mm-hmm. the mythology. This is so important because that means that someone, like, great grandparents have been around through all this like this is such a longevity to yeah, a character yeah, yeah, yeah. and the fact that it's still in print that is still in someone's hand that is still happening look at that that's, that's pin so up by Walt Simonson I mean Beautiful. it's like so much cool yeah. stuff the last, the last uh, six or seven pages is Bendis and Jim Lee leading oh, into yeah. their Man of Steel uh, miniseries let's talk about this so Action Comics 1000 We've got a deja vu kind of thing happening because 32 years ago, John Byrne took over Superman. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Action Comics kept their numbering, but they did a Superman number one after they did six issues of a series called Man of Steel, Mm -hmm. which was the retelling of Superman, kind of bringing him back into like 32 years ago, into the present day, a back-to-basics approach that John Byrne had done successfully with his Marvel run of Fantastic Four. So DC was like, can you revitalize Superman in that same way? Because in that period of time, um, Frank Miller had just kind of like kicked out the Dark Knight Returns Mm -hmm. and and Batman was on like running on just like, I'm on full steam. And every other character was like, we need to, yeah, we, but every other character needed to kind of catch up in a different way. And, And Superman is not Batman. So they didn't need Superman to become Batman. They needed someone to take the essence of Superman and make that important for that that time period which is 1986 here we are in 2018 and i feel like bendis is doing that mm-hmm. for this series and that's why i feel like 
DC and Bendis were like, we're going to go back to the way they did it back then as a tip of the hat. I don't think it's like we're ripping them off. So they're literally saying the way they did it back then is what we're doing now. We are revitalizing mm-hmm. Superman, starting with six issues of Man of Steel. So if you didn't read any of these other comics, it's not saying any of these other comics are good, bad. It's not saying anything about them. It's saying this is the point to jump back in if you want to see where we're going to go for, towards the future of of Superman, and then they start with a new Superman number one. So I like what you said because, yeah, it's time. Every comic book series or character, no matter who they are, needs a revitalization period where it's like if you had a character written by one one person, one artist, even for five or six years, and they did a historic run, the next group of people following that have a tough Mm. you know ride to follow that so some are better some are worse some don't hit that bar so we're at this point where we've got someone who's a top tier writer taking the entire mythology and he's going to refresh it what are your thoughts about bendis and superman i think he's so good for the character because bendis can make uh the character have uh, people always say superman's hard to write they always say like he's a boy scout and all this stuff but i feel like bendis sees characters differently and he shows audiences a different side of characters they weren't expecting to see and that's a character that needs that like superman needs to be more humanized and i feel like if anyone can it's bendis and i'm, I'm a, i mean obviously i'm coming across like a giant bendis fanboy because i am but i think that now is the time for dc to show that they're listening to their fans and they're bringing creators on that can make superman the one that people want to read and i think that batman's doing his thing once again like in 86 so now it's the time to let superman have that team back like have that importance to the book so i think it's a good time for him what do you think ash i have a couple thoughts because because I do think that the DC Rebirth event is a really great jumping on point if you haven't read Superman in a really long time mm-hmm. and you're not sure that he's a character that you might be into. And the Superman family has been better post-Rebirth than they've been in maybe 20 years, like just consistently across the board, including things like New Superman. My, my only two criticisms really of, of this issue kind of have to deal with that. I can't believe John Byrne's not in it anywhere. Now, that? I that was a, we, we addressed that. It was kind of some kind of like he, he said they emailed him I, and they I, never I, got I back to him. I know that things are complicated. Mm-hmm. I, I, I could be scheduling. I certainly don't know the, the, the exact reason. But it would have been nice to see him, particularly because you said he revitalized Superman in the biggest way sort of the last time we saw this for the character. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I I wish, having read it, that the Bendis story, I wish there had been a clean break between Action 1000 and his new run. I think it being tacked on to the end of this doesn't elevate it in the way that I would have liked to see it. But I know that there's no way that you bring Michael... Uh, Brian Michael Bendis onto a book and you don't let him be an action <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with the character and I hope that we continue bringing Superman into the modern age because he, he is a complex character because he is better than us and we want him to feel like us and I think that Bendis could strike that balance real nicely I'm looking forward to it what do you think yeah. Markia? Uh I'm really interested in what he's going to do when he revitalizes because like Byrne what he did uh, he changed the complete dynamic of um uh, Kal-El's uh, parents mm-hmm. right. like it's like um, oh I've never got to touch my baby's hand you know and now we're sending him off into space and it's like wow this is a very interesting look at this society and that kind of changes everything for me and how I feel towards Superman so I'm wondering what Bendis is going to do is it going to be more clo- is it going to be closer to that kind of dynamic where it's like a very scientific culture you know um everything that's the the best streamline Mm -hmm. pretty much streamline everything or is it going to be warm and like gooey and just like cheesy goodness (laughs) i i honestly don't know because he's he's so talented he's Mm -hmm. so talented and he's such a huge fan 
and I'm such a huge fan of his, so yeah. don't even worry about like being. <laughs> oh, we love you, Brian. Right. I mean, I don't you. think there's anyone out there who's going. This is a bad idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, of all the good ideas, how could this not be as good as it's going to be? Like, <laughs> yeah. What lesser good shall this be? It's hard to say, but I mean, my guess is even just from looking at those. those first few pages which I agree it would have been cool if everything was self-contained yeah. but I don't mind them like having all these self-contained Superman stories from all these different amazing writers and artists and then leaving it with the jumping off point of mm-hmm. the new Superman so I feel like trunks no trunks it doesn't really matter <laughs> what really does matter is the, is the core character values of Superman and mm-hmm. how is Superman going to be written under Michael Brian Bendis so or I'm sorry Brian Michael Bendis I've got it all flipped up but uh, <laughs> like I think what you were talking about with Krypton I feel like mm-hmm. he's going to explore some of the other areas Areas of the whole idea of what was Krypton and what was the Kryptonian heritage of Kal-El. So I feel like we're going to get that, including him introducing a Kryptonian villain, mm-hmm. which is different than Zod. So I feel like we're going to see a bigger exploration of that to bring more mythology to the Superman mythology. Um, you know, the Death of Superman animated movie, there was a trailer that just came out for mm-hmm. that, which once again kind of d- dives into something that came out over 25 years ago. <laughs> 1993 was the Death of Superman. And now they're actually finally doing a proper one. They've done a couple of different animated versions. There was the, one the called very, Doomsday. The very first animated movie is the death of Superman, or a redux of, right. of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and they also did, Doom, it was just Doomsday. Yeah. I think that was rated R. Was mm-hmm. that the first R-rated Superman, or PG-13? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, with this, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that teaser, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was really well animated. It feels like they're really closely following the comic books mm-hmm. where we're going to get the reign of Superman the Superman, and like I don't know if that's going to be right. part of uh, yeah, part of the of this, or then it brings back you know Superman's return. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. You definitely see a lot of things following through with uh, not just the red trunks. A lot of people are like stuck on this whole thing about his underwear is back. It's like why don't you relax? It's not that <laughs> yeah. it's not that big of a deal. So. You know, well, Superman, I do. Superman the movie in 1978 arrested a lot of people's ideas of what Superman is. And it, it is a tremendous movie. It is so important. Christopher Reeve's version of Superman is incredible. It's transcendent. Um, but I think that's the reason why people get hung up on the trunks. Right. Because they're like, yeah. but he had the trunks in the movie. I absolutely <laughs> adore that Bendis like, addresses that um, like in Action Comics 1000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, he, and he addresses it in the in, Ooh, in uh, Action Comics uh-huh. 1000, where it's like, it's, it's, there's a couple of panels devoted to it. Well, that's about the thing the, I like about trunks. Bendis is he, he's aware of the culture that he's writing about while writing about it. And I love that he brings humanity to characters like like the issue 13 of Ultimate Spider-Man where there is not a single moment where Spider-Man's in costume. It's Peter Parker and Mary Jane talking and it's him revealing he's Spider-Man to Mary Jane. That comic has more humanity than most runs of comics. And if he can bring that to Superman, it'll be an all-new Superman. It'll be a different take on the character that I think everybody wants. I think the, the mythology of Superman is something that's like sustained 80 years of comic mm-hmm. books hundreds of different uh, versions of different TV shows, starting with the Adventures of Superman, actually starting with the animated Fleischer Supermans. I mean, there's Which so is many, so good. There's so many amazing things to watch of Superman. I mean, even down to like the film that didn't get made, the Superman Lives documentary that you can buy at tdoslwh.com. <laughs> Holly and I made this amazing documentary, Tim Burton, Nick Cage as Superman. Superman as an alien, and it feels like they're going back to those roots. Mm-hmm. Speaking about Krypton, I want to throw to a very special interview that we just shot and if you haven't been checking out Sci-Fi Channel's Krypton, this guy, Sean Sipos, is on it, and he plays Adam Strange. Let's roll that. I'm sitting here with Adam Strange himself, Sean Sipos. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. Well, man, let's get into Krypton. How did you, get a, how did you become Adam Strange? Oh, right at the genesis. Um, well, you know, in typical fashion, I, I auditioned for it. And then um, skipping all that boring stuff, I found out that I got the role. 
uh, I spoke with Cam Welsh, and then um, we talked about Adam and, and sort of what you know I thought that he portrayed in the show um, and brought to it, uh, which was a sense of levity, uh, humor, and um, kind of an Indiana Jones sort of feel that he can kind of smile in the face of great danger. Uh, and then he said, that's exactly what we're thinking, and we're going to send you a big care package uh, from DC of Adam Strange comics, which I didn't realize how massive uh, a character he was and is. Oh, yeah. Um, so I went through those with a fine, you know, fine tooth comb. And um, I found the through line to Adam Strange and really sort of invested in that. So when you got on set, you were like, where's my red costume with the weird little fin? And they're like, look, you're going to look like Jeff Johns. So <laughs> how did that come about? How did that look, that very specific look come about? Well, we haven't got to that look yet. Um, we're, right now, we're at the very beginning of Adam Strange's journey. So he is, uh, you know, he's wanting to be... Uh, a superhero, and he's wanting, he's, he's needing to save Superman. Um, so he hasn't got the red suit yet. He hasn't got the, the headpiece with the fin. Um, so we're getting to see him before that. It's, it's like, you know, it's getting to see Indiana Jones before he's really donned his hat, essentially. Sure. It's a, I think it's a great intro. I mean, I was joking about Jeff Johns because he's got the baseball cap, and mm-hmm. I was like, hey, why are they making him look like that? But it's like, we're expecting to see you travel through the beam and get yes. to Ron. Yes. So like, and that, Ron- and, and the, the, the tiger's cap is a definite nod to Jeff Johns. Yeah, for sure. Um, so a lot of people were, you know, myself included sort of a little bit skeptical about Krypton. When we first heard about it, I was like, why are we going to go back to this planet that explodes mm-hmm. and go back to Superman's grandpa and find out about this. But then upon seeing the actual series, I got sucked in. And I, I really like what Krypton is doing with the Superman mythology. You yourself, how did you feel about being part of the Superman mythology? Uh, you know, I'm in this, I'm on the same uh, ship that you are, which is, it's pulled me in. Um, I think the show's so well done that, you know, being a part of it is, is a huge, huge uh, gift. Um, and being a part of Superman, that mythology is a massive gift. For sure. Uh, it's really, really exciting because, you know, as a kid, I don't know anyone that's not familiar with Superman. I don't know anyone that hasn't seen at least one Superman movie um, and that hasn't read a Superman comic. Speaking of comics, today is... Action Comics number 1000. This is an issue. Uh, the cover's uh, done like in a 50s tribute. It's Mike Allred. There's eight different covers that all these different artists did. Mm-hmm. And the story itself is a ton of different artists and creators and writers who are involved. On the back, you've got this flavory little thing right here. Krypton. So definitely check out Krypton on Sci-Fi. Check it out. Again. Yeah. So it's 80 years of Superman. And you are now officially a part of this universe, of this mythology. Um, do you see? That is the craziest thing. Can you say that again? What's that? Then I'm a part of that this. Sean is actually a part, part of this 80-year mythology called Superman. Superman. So, so how do you see the future of Krypton? Is that cape that's slowly dissolving going to? Is someone going to fill out that cape? Are we going to have some kind of Supergirl? Is Tyler going to be the Superman of this Krypton's universe? That's a CW thing. Are we going to see a Sci-Fi Channel Superman or Clark Kent? Are we going to go to your world? You know, that's my question for you. Or can you say that, or is that too much of a spoiler? Um, yeah, I can say that. Yeah, we'll see where Adam's from. 
Um, you know, I think that Adam opens the door to a lot, a lot of comics um, and and DC characters for sure. So uh, he's really the the eyes and ears of the audience. Um, he's also the only human being on the show, right? So I'm the only alien, truly. Literally, because everyone else is is wow. Kryptonian. That's right. You're you're actually the Clark Kent Superman yes. of Krypton. Yes. You are the alien. That's Correct. a great way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so so there's that through line that goes in there, um, which is phenomenal. Um, and uh, yeah, man, this show is is. I, I will say this: we don't know that Krypton is going to explode because just by na- by the nature of Adam going back in time, um, that changes the timeline. Irrefutably. I mean, if, if realistically, if we went back in time to b- before you were born and I went up to your mother and I got caught, busy I, with I, her I, all no, of a sudden, no. what? I'm well, not born. I knew you were going to yeah. go there. But if I, <laughs> if I had hailed a, a taxi that she was going to get in right. and then I got that taxi and then she was waiting for 10 minutes, what – what is the what is the impact that that's going to have? She on her? never met is my she father. Is she going to not meet your father? Yeah. You know, and then and then you're not going to be born. So how do you how do you sort of um, how do you work your way through that uh, precarious labyrinth of of time and events without changing the end result? It's a very good question. I mean, any type of thing when you ponder time traveler is usually it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's simply like, oh, I didn't go out that door. I decided to go out this way. And every single thing have have those different ramifications like what you're talking about. So do you see that playing a large part of the future of the Krypton series? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's that's why I think it's not a it's not a prequel series. Um, We are really exploring where Superman's from and we're investing in these characters Um, and, you know, we could be creating a world where Superman doesn't exist. Um, and then how do we create a world where we can possibly have him exist? Or, you know, does he grow up on Krypton? Is he born there and grow up and Krypton doesn't explode? And, you know, like what what's happening? Sure. What can happen? The possibilities are really quite endless. Now, speaking of possibilities, you're playing Adam Strange. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you say it in real life because I've only read it. Ran or Ron, you're the world that Ooh, you're living I in. I think it's uh, I think it's Ran. Okay. Yeah. So Ran, there's also Fanagar, which yes, is, there is. Uh, the world of the Hawkman. Now, mm-hmm. I was reading one of the showrunners was talking about we might get into that world. Now that obviously is going to involve you. Mm-hmm. If if Krypton continues forward into a, I mean that involves season, me. That involves possibly the Omega Men. That involves you know. Uh, Hawkman, Hawkman. Did he just say the Omega Men? I mean, I'm not not saying that that is going to happen. I'm just saying that the possibilities are there. I like those possibilities. I want to see those possibilities happen. What's up, sci-fi? Omega Men, Ran, Thanagar. Those are some pretty exciting Green uh, Lantern Corps. There's there's so many things that it could mean and could bring in. So what's the future of the next five episodes of Krypton? Here we are. Episode five just ran out. We've been, I've been watching it, and I'm mm-hmm, looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing like... You liked it, yeah? I, th- I thought it's fantastic. Yeah. And, I, and that's coming from a, a skeptic. I'm not a big fan of Gotham because Batman's on it. And I was like, you mm-hmm, know, these mm-hmm. kinds of shows where you're like, sort of like, let's take this idea and like run with it. You know, I'll say there's certain episodes of Gotham that I think are really fantastic because mm-hmm. they're playing with this world without a Batman. This is a world that definitely has Superman in it. Like you were saying, it's not it's a prequel, but it's not. It has its ramifications can go one way or the other. We don't know how they're going to go. I love the introduction of Brainiac. I think mm-hmm. it's a sinister, cool version of Brainiac. A lot of the 
artwork and design has been like a fusion of so many things. Like I did that doc, the Superman Lives doc. You saw that art from that. You've seen the Brainiac yep. from the comics, and it's the first time we've seen a live action Brainiac, and he's mm-hmm. frightening. And I think that he's that... frightening as hell. Yeah. He's well done. I mean, that is like cinematic movie quality. Uh, I think that you know uh, that is that is the Brainiac. I think that that we've all been waiting for most definitely and deserve yeah if you wanted to see brainiac and superman 3 and didn't like that supercomputer maybe you should watch krypton because yes. you get that and more it um, is a cinematic movie uh, it really experience is. yeah on i mean i would say hats off to everyone who's involved in the making of krypton because mm-hmm. it's a really well shot really well thought out series mm-hmm. and you know it's easy sometimes when you're like oh we got the rights to this let's do this and we're going to run this for a season and i think everyone involved is really taking their time to make Krypton worthy of the Superman mantle. Everyone's passionate about it. Everyone is a fan. Uh, there isn't anyone, there isn't any day that we're not aware of what we're making and that we don't take pride in what we do. Everyone shows up, they do their work, uh, and they work hard. It's no one, and I, I, I'm going to repeat this, no one is phoning anything in uh, from set design to editing to acting to directing to, you know, especially show running and storytelling. I mean, no one, even down to the guy that sweeps the floor. I, I really don't think that, that anyone is phoning anything in. I think everyone loves this story. I think everybody's put their heart and soul into it. Um, and I think it shows. Well, definitely. What can you say to the fans of Krypton right now as far as the future of Krypton? Oh, to the fans of Krypton. Um, if you missed tonight's episode, don't, don't go on Twitter. Uh, because there's a there is a reveal that that I think would spoil it for you, um, and you know the groundwork's been laid eps one to four, and uh, we really take off from here, um, and it gets really really I mean like pedal to the metal, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't I mean me myself being a fan I wouldn't want to miss an episode from here on. Yeah, out. I think it's really it's it's a great way they set up all the different houses, mm-hmm. you know, and the and the and the, especially the the family of Zod, you know. I, I yeah. like that. I, it, it was it wasn't expected, so I think it's really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean, thanks for being here and uh, definitely tune into Krypton on Sci-Fi. You won't you won't you will not regret it. That's right. He couldn't even finish his sentence, that idiot John Schnapp. He's trying to say watch <laughs> Krypton on Sci-Fi. That's how uh, it was great talking with Sean. He's a great Adam Strange. And the future of Krypton and what they're going to do with that character is pretty fantastic. It was great to talk with him, especially on this 80th anniversary of Superman Action Comics. Let's talk about the pull list here. On Wednesdays, we're going to get into trades and hardcovers. On Mondays, we're covering the actual individual comics. So I want to just talk right, right off the bat. If you haven't checked out Dave Gibbons' The Originals, that's a comic book. You should look it up. It's one of his creator-owned comic books, and it goes into something that he was really into. If you're like, if you dug Quadrophenia, I think you'll like this this comic book. It's pretty cool. Number four, we've got Swords of Heaven, Flowers of Hell. It's Michael Moorcock. You might be familiar with him of Elric fame, or you might never have heard of him. And also Howard Chaykin. This comic book was first printed in 1979, and they're bringing it back. So this is a way back machine. Re, re, uh, redo, I'd say pick it up. It's pretty fantastic. Royal City Volume 2 from yes. Jeff Lemire. I mean, if you, if you haven't been following our, our uh, weekly picks or monthly picks, 
I've been, this has been on my list consistently. Jeff Lemire, I don't care what kind of drugs he's on to be able to make like 400 he's comics a, a nice month. Canadian <laughs> uh, he's just incredibly talented, is what he's, yeah, he's, he's amazing. And then, of course, I got to put on Ed Pisker's X Men Grand Design, the special Treasury Edition trade pa- paperback, oversized, deluxe format. X Men number one recolored in there. Smells like the newsprint. It's like, it's like, it's crazy. I mean, that's going to be on my list until you buy it, basically. And finally, we got number one is the Black Monday Murders, volume two by John. Jonathan Hickman and Tom Coker. If you're not familiar with this and you like the movie Seven, get familiar with this pretty gritty uh, crime series. Any of these pop off to you? What do you guys think about this? I really love Grand Design, and I want to shout out to whoever designed that cover because oh, it's, it's so striking, and it really it stands out like on the shelf or on the Amazon listing next to it. So if you're making a comic, look at that design. Ed Pisker there. designed it. He, oh, well then, uh, Mr. Pisker, you're more talented than I gave you credit for originally. Um, also, um, Royal City is so good. Everything Jeff Lemire does is cons- of a consistent quality. Like Nothing he does sucks, and this just <laughs> continues. Well, some people have dips. Uh, he doesn't have one so far. And this just continues his... his Legacy of Excellence in Indie Comics. And it yeah. proves to me like why you should take the time to check out stuff like this. Superman's great, but it doesn't all have to be that at the same time. Most definitely. Yeah, Jeff is one of those guys who's doing Black Hammer. Mm-hmm. He's doing Descender. He's doing like so many different comics. He was writing Moon Knight for a minute. Yeah. Uh, so he can jump. He could dip in and out of the superhero genre. And his also- Hawkeye's good? Everything mm-hmm. he's written, you're mm-hmm. right, has been pretty fantastic. Any of these comics pop off to you as far as you've got a chance I, to I look at them? I love Grand Design uh, so much so that I, I made my I did like a, a review of it on my own channel because Grand Design it's it's the same right. He did both. He wrote and illustrated this book, and he completely revisits so many moments in X Men history and ties them all together in this fascinating way where it's like creating his own canon, but it feels familiar. Like he he shifts like one pawn on the chessboard and it makes everything different. And it's right. such a fun book to like remember your own experience of reading the book for the first time, but with a new version of it. So I, I that's one of my favorite X-Men books in years. Uh, and I love the art. I love the style. It's, it's as stunning as the cover, like the whole thing mm-hmm. through. And I, and I really love that so many books, like, I haven't read it, but a book from the 70s being brought back makes me really happy. And having these indie darlings get attention, I this is now my pull list, so I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Um, for me, it's uh, Black Monday Murders mm-hmm. uh, by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, so long ago that I read that, I, I'm not remembering most of it, but I do remember um, it being a thinker, where it's just like it deals with um, ideologies. And, uh, yeah, why is it that Judas is, um, you know, the sinner, you know, the fallen one, and Peter is the redeemer? one and it's like it's it's like things like that that it brings out in there and then of course the value of human life the whole um 30 pieces of silver i have to do a reread of that one i'm really glad that that's on the poll yeah it's good as a trade i found like i was buying it Mm -hmm, it as individual issues and then i was Mm -hmm. like waited for the trade for this one because the art is beautiful and it's it is a deeper more horrific storyline so i mean you get into that let's get into the minor mutations starting off with birds of prey gets a director in kathy yan uh, Suicide Squad, it's delayed till, you know, 2019 or whenever. I don't know <laughs> if they're going to make it anymore. Who knows? But uh, Kathy Ann gets pulled in to, uh, to direct what uh, I believe her name is a Hodson, uh, Christina Hodson, I believe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She yeah. wrote it, and she also, now she's writing Batgirl. So I feel like there's some kind of synergy happening where they're like, she killed it with this Birds of Prey thing. That's the Harley Quinn movie. I know there are like nine different Harley Quinn movies. Those aren't happening. I, this I, is the one that I believe happening. Christina Hodson was also brought on by Margot Robbie, who, and I was saying this um, earlier before we started filming, I love that in a post I turn your world, she's just throwing her weight around. She's like, I'm going to make this movie, and you're going to make it my way, and it's going to be great. Nice. I'm, I think this is really cool. 
<laughs> Definitely. What do you think about Kathy, Kathy Ann directing? Uh, well, I'm not familiar with her work. Um, I know about Dead Pigs. We're gonna have we're gonna so have a movie night, well. Markia. We're gonna have a movie night because I need to, I need to experience some Kathy Ann before Sweet. I have it. And uh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, in this in this form. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested in the story with like all of these these thousands of pigs uh, floating down a river in Shanghai, <laughs> and it's like um and everything that encapsulates that world. So I mean, but it was so well received. Have to see it. And maybe have kind of that feel, that precursor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that this is a director. I love that I'm not familiar with either of their work, but that shows that DC is doing a thing where they're trusting their creators. I love that DC isn't trying to get. They've got Spielberg on one side, and they've got this on the other. They're they're going with both sides. So I love that they're they're trusting these people to create this magic. And the fact that she got brought on because she did so well, another piece of work shows, like you said, synergy. But I also want to see this world work together. I'd love to see things going forward, like moving together. So if you have one writer on multiple projects, that's a great sign that they're they're going the right direction. It's also bringing in a director who has one one or a few critical darlings yeah. on a on an indie scale. That's a Marvel move. They brought in John Marvel Watson. and Star Wars have brought in a ton yeah. of people who James done, Gunn even. You know, you know, he Absolutely. was like Slither. You know, it's yeah. like every yeah. everybody that they brought in, most of them, like even the Russo brothers, were very popular as TV directors. Right? They yeah. have a, they have a pedigree, but not a blockbuster pedigree. So yeah. it's cool to see DC adopting that or Warner's adopting that in the same way. And it's really nice that this time it's a lady. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like these people are hungry and they're talented. Mm-hmm. And it's I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, I'm interested really to see what they do with Birds of Prey and to see mm-hmm. what characters mm-hmm. they decide to introduce. I have a, a feeling that they're going to introduce Batgirl. Batgirl. It makes sense because, like, you know, like they've sort of introduced Batman in a Superman movie, but it was called Batman v Superman. Uh-huh. This feels like this might be a better backdoor way to introduce Batgirl by just having her be like, I don't know if they're going to go with Poison Ivy, if they're going to go with Whit- Catwoman, or all. Any- we don't know what those characters, the only one we do know is. Harley Quinn's going to be in it. Yeah. <laughs> Joker going to be in it. What? How does this all tie in together? We don't know, but it's at least exciting to see some kind of movement forward mm-hmm. with one of these uh, Harley projects. Now, is Juggernaut that weird two frames that we saw? <laughs> that everyone was like, sweating and crying about and screaming about. I was like, "What the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> isn't, isn't he getting? Is that a tank? It's like the magic of editing. Like, <laughs> really, yeah, there's like frame is drop. It, and you it see a, a tank explode. Is You're it like, a rock? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. All I do know is that is Colossus punching. Something. Yeah. Uh, everybody's talking that it's possibly the helmet of Juggernaut. Mm. Now we know, or we don't know. We're just assuming that Black Tom is going to be in there because mm-hmm. we've heard that that's who that Keezy mm-hmm. actor is playing. Never heard anything about Juggernaut, but it makes sense that he'd be in it. How much? I mean, we haven't seen the movie. Literally, we're going from a trailer. <laughs> we're like, no, I know the entire film. We don't know nothing. <laughs> just like Avengers nothing. Infinity War. Like we've seen three minutes, maybe five minutes max of something that's two hours and like two and a half hours. So. Deadpool is not two and a half hours, but we do not know all of the ins and outs and who's in it and whatnot. So what are your thoughts? Yay or nay, Juggernaut? Yay. I think that having the behind-the-scenes footage of a like Colossus and an even taller guy with an even bigger head and a stick, I think that's definitely Juggernaut. I think Circle Chase is where they're drawing some of this from. I thought it was going to be a much more Circle Chase. I thought Jack Casey was going to be a bigger part as Black Tom Cassidy, but it sounds like they wanted more Cable, more Domino, and like... It's Deadpool. You can make this flavor whatever you want. Like, you can shape this as whatever movie, so you don't need to follow a comic. Uh, I do think that's Juggernaut, personally. I was one of those sweaties going like, yeah, I got it. Uh, (laughs) So I do think that one frame. And I also think that everyone wants those moments, those classic X-Men moments. Like, if you told me 10 years ago that Deadpool would be the moment where you get the classic Juggernaut versus Colossus rivalry, I would not believe you. Like, that John Romita Jr. shot of them fighting in the bar, that moment in that around that X-Men 300 mark where, like, X-Men were just killing it with Claremont. Good God! Deadpool? Never would have guessed, but I am the happiest boy. 
Definitely. <laughs> I certainly hope that that happens. What do you think? I would love to see a return to Juggernaut in any film universe because uh, we got him in X3 played by not the worst. It's Vinnie Jones. Sure. He, mm-hmm. He's fine. It's It wasn't maybe the best representation of that right. character. And I think this is one of the characters like Wolverine and Deadpool who would benefit from a, a grittier, tougher, like mm-hmm. I'm going to armor my head kind of approach. <laughs> right. So I, I hope I hope it's Juggernaut. Definitely. <laughs> I say it definitely is. I mean, it has to be. Look at look at the fact that we're even talking about it right now. And <laughs> why are you gonna <laughs> why are you gonna waste it? It's like you only get so much to put into a trailer. So why are you gonna waste it on him punching a tank or him punching I don't know a silo or something like that? No, that is Juggernaut's helmet. Definitely. Yes. We are silo. having him in this movie. <laughs> I, I certainly hope so. And I would love to see, like you said, you know, you're, like you see those behind the scenes things with guys wearing the weird. <laughs> I'm wearing an all gray thing with numbers and like sometimes yeah. says their name on it. Like remember yeah. Ebony Moss? Like because it's as Ebony Ma, you're like what? <laughs> That's on. because of, oh my god! Don't write that on there for spoilers. <laughs> don't write the character's name. If anything, write someone else's name to to f with Tall. the behind. Yeah, yeah. yeah, literally. Or the actor's um, name. Anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what we saw behind the scenes pictures of? We saw Starfire. We also saw Beast Boy. We saw a whole bunch of pictures taken of the Titans for the Teen Titans. DC, whatever the heck it's going to be on, whatever wherever it's going to finally end up, we don't know. But they're making ten episodes of a Titans TV show. Mm-hmm. We saw some advanced pictures of Robin as Robin. Mm-hmm. We saw some pictures of Hawk and Dove. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that they're, the Doom Patrol is in there. So all these behind-the-scenes pictures, to me, were exciting. And these, these, to me, don't make me feel any less excited about it because... I feel like I get it. I mean, people get so pissed off about behind-the-scenes pictures like Shazam's outfit. I could tell it's a weird muscle suit. It's like, well, can, like, here They're you all go. Muscle suits. Clapping for you. I'm glad yeah. you noticed that. Did you guys know the Hulk isn't real? Yeah, none of these things are real. It's all artifice. There's a crew behind it. It's like every time you see one person like crying, there's like 50 people not saying anything, letting that actor emote. I mean, it's 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 all fantasy. So I feel like. The look of Starfire is what I think a lot of people were reacting to, the bright pink wig. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about Starfire? I'll start with you. I feel like it's – I said two weeks ago that no matter what, Doom Patrol means – I have carte blanche. Go. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what, Doom Patrol means I'm in. This I still stand by that. Behind-the-scenes photos are behind-the-scenes photos. There is so much movie-making magic that goes into everything. They're like, unfinished. Yeah. Like, I, oh, I my God. This isn't like Inhumans. This isn't yeah. like Medusa's wig where it was done. like – That was supposed to be done. Like, this I was is joking, something that's like, behind isn't real because that's that's someone like holding Mm -hmm. sticks up like you don't look at that and go like that looks like my hulk like it has to take the movie magic and these are photos of these poor i feel so bad for the kids playing these characters because they're happy only one of them is actually a kid most of them are over 20 adults (laughs) these humans that have had 34 like she's a grown-up ashley what's your opinion uh i mean it's the same same as everything are they the most astonishing behind the scenes photos i've ever seen no do they look like the characters on the page no but that's fine um, they're unfinished. There's no effects. Starfire's probably going to have some animation in her right. hair because mm-hmm. it's classically drawn as fire. And I think it's hard to criticize off of something that we we have no context for. I hope it's yeah. awesome. Um, I don't know where it's going to land. I bet we'll probably see it on Netflix. Right. Well, they're in the street <laughs> clothes, and that's something a lot of people aren't yeah. addressing. You, you see Robin, but he's not dressed up as Robin. Mm-hmm. He's just got a jacket mm-hmm. on. So what are your thoughts about the, the street clothes version of Teen <laughs> Titans? Uh, it's fine. It just means uh, it's a different direction that's going to be going with it. And it's like, great, they're in street clothes. I'm, I'm fine with it because it's the characters. It's them. It's Starfire. It's Beast Boy. You know, you have, you have them. Um, I, I do want to say, though, I'm very surprised and kind of disappointed 
at the amount of people that went after the actress yeah, that played horrible. Starfire. Yeah. Horrible. What yeah. was that? I mean, she actually had to do a response on Instagram yeah. to be well, like, she's a lady, so. Yeah, it was very classy. <laughs> but it was just like, wow, this, this is yeah. the actress that is playing. Do you think that she chose that outfit that she dressed I mean, honestly, we're, we're lucky that they the went after her and not after the girl playing Raven who is like 14 or like who's a child, oh, you know, like, like at least they went after someone who has the faculty to respond and respond in a dignified way. But I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of color grading? It'll all be fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I feel it like will be, it will be fine. People It'll overreact fine. all the time, and I feel like that's the classic overreaction mm-hmm. when behind the scenes photos pop off and people, you know, have noticed some indiscrepancy, even to like a, a an outfit with a muscle suit. You're like, look, doesn't it look like Shazam? Why are, is everyone complaining about this? So also, here's like all, a behind the scenes picture. Muscle you know? suit. Yeah. Supergirl wears a muscle suit. Sure. Superman wears a muscle suit. Batman wears a muscle. Like there, that's. That's part of the ben illusion. Ben Affleck wears a muscle suit. I mean, like, <laughs> so Ro- Ro- Roka says no. Roka wears a muscle suit. Yes. All right, let's move on. You know who's wearing a muscle suit right now? I am. Supergirl returns <laughs> in second part of season three with Monel suited up. Now Monel is using that kind of same Tyler Hoechlin Superman suit. It literally looks like they just uh-huh. reversed the colors, mm-hmm. which I like. I thought I was like, it's pretty cool, and I and I liked the Superman. In Supergirl, I was hoping, hopefully, they'd bring him back, even for one or two episodes in Supergirl season four. What are your thoughts about Monel and Supergirl? I, I totally agree. I love the suit. I love. I thought he was a fantastic Superman. So if they build in that mythology, I've always thought it was interesting that Superman had a suit from Krypton, and no one else seemed to. Like, right. like they had like the black versions and the Russell Crowe wearing and stuff. But I'm like, but he's bright and. Where's is he? Why is he so special? Like right. he's one of the Kryptonians. So I love seeing that because it shows a world building mythology. We talked in our show about Wakanda and how yeah. everything you saw from Wakanda had this texture and, and mm-hmm. flavor that was strictly that. I'd love for Krypton to have that, and I think yeah. this show can build from that. So I think Supergirl and Krypton existing simultaneously different networks, but I love the idea of the Superman universe getting fleshed out. Well, it's funny because yeah, mm-hmm. CW and mm-hmm. uh, and the the Sci Fi Channel are different universes, different networks, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and they both are de- dealing with Superman mythology. Supergirl and Krypton and I think both are doing a really successful job Krypton itself using those kinds of emblems and mm-hmm. the House of L and these all the mm-hmm. all the mythology that we're used to and then going in, in a totally different route so mm-hmm. it's very unexpected and, and sometimes they explain that Superman's suit is a different color because it's supposed to be a ceremonial suit oh. or sometimes they give it like a different it's a different functionality than like the everyday black suit that you're always just to get real sweaty about it. Thank you. Um, this is the place to do it. I really like the Supergirl show. Um, my least favorite character on the Supergirl show is Monel, unfortunately. But it is cool because the Legion has been sort of a pretend part of this season so far, and they right. usually wear just black. So to see him get. I mean, it's basically the Valor costume. It's one of his better costumes. Yes. Um, Monel's had a lot of costumes, guys, and he's died a lot. And this is a good one. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that maybe this solidifies the character in a way that feels more like the comics. But if nothing else, it looks great. What do you think, Marquita? I, I think it, it looks okay. You know, I'm not as much Just on okay. the Just okay! I'm sorry. <laughs> Outrageous! You know, uh, it looks like, I do like that it has um, that textured element to mm-hmm. it. Um, I do think it's very nicely defined, you know, and everything, and it fits in with the character. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, you know, all, you know, head over heels in love with it. But I, I think it's fine. It fits the aesthetic of what they're doing with the show, and it is better than just basic black. Mm-hmm. God knows, like uh, sci-fi genre in general just loves <laughs> to use just, just basic black. Look, the black, Matrix so. happened in 1999, yeah. and we can't get over it. Yeah. Oh, I, I am still in the Matrix. I've had it. I've had it. Ant-Man, Hawkeye, what's going on? That's right, Ant-Man. Look at this picture of Ant-Man. He's on the Falcon. Check that out. Oh, Did you I see that? It. Some... 
smart frame by frame person. I don't know if they just added that in. If somebody made this in Photoshop. I don't even know Y'all what's real anymore. Time. But you know, Paul Rudd got Paul Rudd. Paul, Paul Rudd is is listed off. He's in Infinity War. We know he's in there. I don't know if I don't know if Hawkeye is going to show up at the end, Dang. holding Thanos' head, like eating it like an apple. You know, like I don't know what's going on. I have no, I know nothing about this. But we're all going to be seeing Infinity War in like five days. So it's like yes. it's literally it's it's insane. So. Is Ant-Man in this? What kind of role does he play? Let's start with you, Ashley. What do you think? I think he's probably in it for a little bit. I think we're going to see him in like one... a little tiny bit? Like tiny? Little bit? <laughs> uh, we're, we're probably going to see him, I think, in the same style that we saw him in Civil War. He mm-hmm. got a great moment. He got to be mm-hmm. a hero. And then he moved on. I think that some of these... I don't mean this to be denigrating, but some of these secondary characters, mm-hmm. I think, are going to be benched for a lot of this movie. And we're going to see them in whenever Avengers 4 is. Um, especially based on the fact that... We everyone seems pretty certain that some people's contracts are up and those characters <laughs> might not be coming back. Right. Um, I, I would love to see him. I would love to see Wasp, even just in a little cameo in, in Infinity War. Um, but I don't know if he's not in it. I don't know if I will miss him. I'll say that. Sure. There's only yeah. 2,900 other right, characters exactly. that are leaving yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, oh, I'm, I'm oh, Infinity War. Uh, I'm already so emotional about this movie because <laughs> it feels like it's existed for us for so long. And it's like finally the end of the journey is here. And then, uh, yeah, Ant-Man on uh, on Falcon's wing. I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> uh, I I would say that if he's in it and if he's going to have his moment, mm-hmm. uh, and this is something that people would be like, oh, why doesn't he just uh, crawl into Thanos's ear and then like become large? Be like, well, because he crushed himself because Thanos is, you know, like a basically a god mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But I wouldn't mind him doing that to like an outrider if they wanted to go that route sure. and kill someone in that way. Explode ahead. <laughs> Explode ahead. I, I would watch that. But um. You know, if he's in it, if he isn't, I, I kind of figured that he was maybe just hanging out with Hawkeye, you know, and they were at the ranch <laughs> having the <laughs> Yeah. Or he's really little tiny. He's like, what's up, TikTok? I don't know. I'm just listening to this. Like, <laughs> hanging out inside of his ear, listening to the sports channel or something. The Cure. He's yeah. You know, they could just put one headphone on out there and listen to the same uh, podcast. That's totally, or would he just be like, it's too loud. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think, Coy? I think he's definitely in it. I think that it's going to be a situation where we lose a lot of our key players in the first movie, and mm. then the second movie is a mm. uh, ramifications film. It's recovery. It's the new Avengers, which I, I still I love that we don't know the title, and I love that we won't for a while. They said right. this week that we're not going to know even in the post credits. Yeah, they said that we're going to wait. Uh, so I love that Ant Man is just now getting sprinkled in and teased, and I think that him and Hawkeye have something big to do in four. So I think mm. we'll see pieces of a side adventure. I don't think it's a coincidence Ant Man and the Wasp happens after. Avengers 3. Right. Oh, well said. So yeah. I think that, that definitely ties in. I'm excited to see, like, you know, a lot of people were like, getting on me because I was like, I don't think Thanos is even going to be in Avengers 4. And I was like, <laughs> you're wrong, Snap. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong. But I don't, I, honestly, the more I'm feeling, I haven't seen yeah. the movie, but I think it would be a, an incredible play if this Thanos is like, they've been soaking in Thanos all this time. We finally got it. We got a two and a half hour movie and they knock his block John's off. John's just over in the corner. Mo. Wow. Yeah. But Mo. I feel like. Are we going to have former Thanos that happens well, I mean, in Avengers 4? I don't know. I mean, I want to see something else yeah. in Avengers 4. That's where I'm at. I want to see, mm. I want to see Kang. I want to see time travel. I want to see. That's what Kang. I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually secretly Kang. I'm just going to reveal it now. Want to have Magus it. in that's there. That's right. I want to see all that stuff. So I don't know what's happening, but I do know there's some kind of time travel whether they're using they're using the civil war machine mm-hmm. that tony has like where you know you can go back in time that makes sense why we're seeing cap in world war ii why we're seeing loki and thor from avengers why we're seeing all those flashback scenes that they were shooting mm-hmm. for avengers 4 we're not seeing any of those big characters 
in Avengers 4 yet. We're just seeing flashbacks. Yeah, that's right. Clue. Oh, What's up, Clue, son? So anyway, um, <laughs> just cast. Hot tub tripping balls. Yeah, yeah we're t- a hot it. tub Thor machine. I'm inside of it, <laughs> son. Go. All right, cast picks for Cloak and Dagger popped up in Entertainment Weekly. They're just a bunch of pictures of people looking at us, but they're going to be <laughs> playing key roles in Cloak and Dagger. Are you guys excited? Mark, here, what, Cloak and Dagger, are you familiar with the comic? Are you yes. excited for the TV series? Uh, yes, I'm familiar with uh, Cloak and Dagger and uh, with uh, Tandy and Tyrone. And I... I haven't had a chance to view it yet. I know people that have, and they are so excited really? about Cloak and Dagger, yeah. and they are comparing. They're saying that it's comparable to Runaways, um, but not in the same thing of like, oh, it's you know the stylistic, but more that it's comparable in the way that it is just that freaking good. And I'm really excited for this. I like that they changed uh, Tandy's origin, where it's like instead of her being the privileged one, is that she's the one right, that's on the streets, yeah. indeed. And like with uh, Tyrone being closed off and not wanting to you know, interact with the world, you know, being more sheltered. I think that works out really well, especially like in time, like that we have right now. And to have that character be that, and then have to be pulled out of his shell because, well, physically he kind of has to be, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. otherwise he's going to die uh, and has to interact with Tandy in that way. I, I'm, very much in love with that. So I'm really looking forward to this. How about you, Ashley? Looking forward to it? I often get Cloak and Dagger confused with Hawk and Dove, so hopefully I'm going to do okay talking about it right now. <laughs> um, I am cautiously optimistic the same way I was going into Runaways. I really love Runaways, and I think that they had a tall order adapting it. I think they did that very well. I think the Hulu team is doing very interesting things. This picture doesn't make me any more or less excited. It's a bunch of nice promo photos of people looking at the camera. Um, But I hope that if it is successful and it does very well, that we can see a crossover with Runaways. That's honestly the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, my suggestion to the Cloak and Dagger uh, photography team is get better. I mean, look, these are like headshots. (laughs) Here I'm standing behind a weird kind of like cool window. Boring. I thought all of them were boring. So Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, Mm -hmm. it did nothing to sell me on Cloak and Dagger. We're all going to watch it, let's be honest. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they didn't didn't need to sell me. I didn't need to see like (laughs) lifetime photos of a dude like, I'm in a suit. Get out of here. Anyway, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, I think the trailers for this have been some of the best superhero yes. trailers i love that mm-hmm. that trailer that was the two of them living their lives for the day and mm-hmm. then it comes together at yeah. the end of like the yes. rules of attraction mm-hmm. when the thing the seam goes away mm-hmm. was the best silent telling of story of of the backstory of superheroes i've seen yet like there was no dialogue but you learn so much about these characters and if you told 20 years ago me while he was reading maximum carnage that cloak and dagger from <laughs> on a show on a network that was a slow burn drama i think runaways really set a great precedent for taking your time setting a good pace and really investing in character and these are really interesting characters. I want Romeo and Juliet with powers, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's what we're going to get. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Avengers Infinity War is going to have a lot of deleted scenes. That's what the Russo brothers have been saying. They're like literally saying, we're Surprise. Cutting, yeah, we're right. cutting out tons of stuff. Like we last heard like a couple weeks ago, they were like, we had heard so much about Thanos' backstory and they were like, yeah, that we cut that. Mm-hmm. I think they, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they shot it motion capture because Brolin as a giant purple dude, so it's not real anyway. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know what they shot or what they cut out, but we're they were talking about there was so much improv and there was so much mm-hmm. like because it's a lot of characters for the first time meeting each other mm-hmm. from different franchises from the same universe but for the first time kind of interacting so the Russos normally have a rock solid script that they're like no we're not this is an improv comedy school say your line but with <laughs> this they're sort of look you've got Star-Lord and Tony Stark you know let's have Quill you know, you know I'm sure there's like an hour of that back and forth so I feel like not maybe as many deleted scenes, but more so like, oh, here's an extended scene of these mm-hmm. characters hanging out or meeting mm-hmm. each other. What do you think will be? We don't know what the, what's even the movie yet, but what can you imagine would be a deleted scene? What do you think? 
probably they shot a lot of Wakanda stuff. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna right. think that they did just to see what it is that they would necessarily keep and what they wouldn't. Because uh, keeping in mind, there are some people that didn't see Black Panther. Sure. I mean that's that's the thing. And but they will be seeing uh, Infinity War. All of us will be seeing Infinity War. So they would want to flesh out the feel of that because uh, maybe the last time people that saw you know Chadwick Boseman's uh, Black Panther were in Civil War, so right. it's like they're going to have to establish Wakanda enough to where it doesn't detract from the film and where to make you actually care about these people and care about the fact that this dome looks like it's about to, you know, and sure. everybody's... And, you know, they'll have to establish where the heck the soul stone is and if that is, in fact, in the vibranium, you know, meteorite um, in the heart of Wakanda. So I think that that's probably going to be a lot of stuff that would uh, wind up on the cutting room Yeah, board. I'm so looking forward to, like, us not discussing that anymore. Like, there's so many people, like, you're wrong. It's like, who cares? We're going to yeah. find out in five days. I don't care if I'm wrong or right. What do you think? I truly just hope that if it's a lot of Wakanda stuff, it's Okoyo having no patience for anyone's bullshit and just, like, hitting them with their spear. I would be here for that all day long. And also, Shuri proving that she's smarter than everyone. <laughs> right? What do you think, Koi? I feel like Black Panther and Spider-Man become two fixtures of things going into Phase 4. I think Black Panther is kind of our new Tony Stark. And I feel like Spider-Man is kind of the other side of that, like the less serious. So it, it's not a coincidence Spider-Man's the first movie out of the gate after 4. So I feel like a lot of the deleted scenes are probably setting up where Spider-Man's been, where he's right. going, what that character's up to. I feel like, and it's going to be hard because there's so many characters. And we more recently had a Spider-Man movie. So I feel like there's some Spider-Man deleted stuff. I feel like there's going to be some battles they have to trim. I want to see just scenes. I, I, I want to be successful enough to one day go into Marvel and be like, just show me all of the meetings. Like, I just want to see all the right. between each other. Like, Heath Ledger's Joker behind the scenes and these characters burrowing down are life goals now of people right. just meeting on set before CGI. Because you know there's got to be every inter- encounter they had to film and it's cool because these these actors have played these roles for 18 movies so they they know them they're like it's in their spirit so they can improv and just become T'Challa just become Tony Stark so I want to I want to see those deleted scenes Peter Parker hanging out with Shuri hanging yes. out with Tony Stark just making some just stuff so with Banner in the background just sipping some coffee I want to see like a two minute scene like that I don't know yeah. if those exist but we didn't even see Parker meet T'Challa they have they oh, fought on a battlefield, yeah, but we never, yeah. they never interacted. So there's all those things that I'm, mm. I feel like we will see a scene like that. Not everyone's going to be as jokey as him meeting Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. but even in these edits from the trailers, now we've seen two different versions of that interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, one is them up close and personal saying, "I'm Peter Parker, I'm Doctor Strange." Oh, we are, we are fake names, and then the <laughs> other cut is like Doctor Strange with a side angle with Tony Stark in the mm-hmm. background and Parker saying the same line. So you're like, Oh, I don't know. I'm starting to see like, I don't know what ver- versions of the same stuff. I'm, you know, it's getting weird. So Aquaman is another, another thing I want to talk about. James Wan doing some reshoots with Aquaman. Now he said, look, relax. I've been doing reshoots on every single one of my films. Mm-hmm. The only film I've never done a reshoot or a pickup on is death sentence. I think it's a, uh, well, you know, seven degrees of our friend Bacon. Yep. Um, so, you know, he was like, you're not getting another degree, son. It's keep, we're keeping it real. So it's like, no degrees, no reshoots on that. But everything else, including Waterman, gets pickups, gets reshoots. Why? Because they're trying to plus the film. They're trying to make it work as best they can. There's months before we're going to go check this underwater November? adventure. November? Is it a... December. December. Yeah, it comes yeah. out like, like December literally 14th? December. I heard it was December 21st, but maybe the 40th. Uh, it's a Christmas movie. You get to go underwater with Jason Momoa and fight a bunch of weird creatures. Merry what do you think? Christmas to <laughs> us. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it bother sure. you guys at oh. this point? No, 
not even. They did reshoots for Deadpool 2. You know, yeah. they had to put in more cable and domino. This is a good thing. It means that they, you know, had a final product and they looked at it and they're like, well, you know what? Maybe I need more shirtless Jason Momoa. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, great. You know, That's uh, right. do the world a favor and let's have that. You know when you don't do a reshoot <laughs> after you've released the movie? That's when you just don't. <laughs> right. I there mean, it go. seems like kind of like common sense. It's not rocket science. Like, oh, we put the movie out. Let's redo it. I think <laughs> You don't get a second chance like that. I think there's varying degrees on it. I don't think you want a movie like we saw with Justice League where huge swaths of it are being reshot. But whenever I hear about reshoots, I'm heartened because I would hope that people go to the editing bay and they're like, "Mm, if we just tweaked this moment or we stretched this a little bit, then it would be better. And I think people who get all up in arms about it, especially with these big budget movies, I think that's... That just speaks to a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding about how movies are made now. That's right. standard procedure. And especially since we've had that hammered into our brains. Literally, yes. I'm just talking about the last five years, mm-hmm. everybody's been crying about this reshoot and that reshoot. Rogue One. Uh, I mean, every single giant blockbuster movie has had massive reshoots. Lord of the Rings did months of reshoots. Yeah, they reshot half the movie. Like, literally, <laughs> so, they're like, we've assembled the f- three films. Begin the reshooting for a year is yeah. where they reshot yeah. for an entire year. They recast characters. I mean, it's like, it's literally on these giant films, it's okay to do reshoots mm-hmm. and do bigger than pickups where you're like, I'm sure that New Mutants will be quite radically different than the cut that exists Phoenix is right supposed now. to be doing right. huge reshoots as yeah, well. Yeah, like the entire third quarter of that yeah. film will be different. So like, unless you live in the industry where you're like, happen to have that version on my hard drive, you want to see that version? <laughs> yes, I do. But none of it's done. It's green screen. You're like, oh, I wish I didn't see this. You want to just see the finished product. Truly. That's all I would say of, yeah. any, of any of these films or TV shows, unless you're actually in the industry or you're into that kind of archi- digital arch- archiving, like you know, you're a digital archaeologist and you're like I must see all the different versions like I've put that hat on it's not the greatest hat to wear <laughs> occasionally I'll wear it but otherwise I want to be like you and seeing Steven Spielberg's Blackhawk in the year 2021 that's right Spielberg is directing Blackhawk now if you're not familiar like in most everybody on the planet except for us sweaties when they said Blackhawk all of us were like oh cool everyone else at Collider was like what is Blackhawk so <laughs> is it Blackhawk down no we read a comic but anyway I'm just saying most people don't know what Blackhawk <laughs> is they're like hitting Wikipedia immediately crying I know. Well, Roka didn't know what it was either. But you know what? Blackhawk to all of us nerds, maybe even in the 80s, got introduced to Howard Chaikin's prestige mm-hmm. run of Blackhawk, where they just started doing these kind of. There cool- are already people online making threats saying, if it's not Chaikin's Blackhawk, I'm not going to watch. The movie hasn't even started yet. Uh, you, gotta, you know, anybody who's going to say that if it's not Chaikin's Blackhawk, guess who created Blackhawk? It's Will Eisner. Not Chaikin. Yeah, it's Will Eisner. Look him up. It's something called the Eisner Awards that happens every year at San Diego Comic Con. Check it out. Learn about Will Eisner. Learn about Blackhawk. Then talk about it. That's how I feel about it. Like, talk with some kind of knowledge. What are your thoughts about, like, for for myself, when I heard Spielberg is doing this, I'm excited about it. I don't even care if it's in the DCFU or not. Mm -hmm. If it is, they could have a a cool scene with Wonder Woman. If they wanted to do that, they could do that. If they don't want, if they want to establish just Blackhawk and the squadron and have him fighting villains in World War II, it's like Indiana Jones meets Sky Captain. Literally, it's those serialized kind of action adventure things. I think that's what tickled um, Steven Spielberg enough to be like, oh, you know, he played around with it a little bit in some of his other films Uh with like, obviously 1941, obviously Indiana Jones' Last Crusade. He was able to get some of that kind of like fighting in the sky type stuff, but I don't think he's ever scratched that itch. And this is the film 
that is that scratch. What do you guys think? I'll start with you, Marquia. Blackhawk, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is great. Uh, well, Spielberg has had me since The Color Purple, so I'm just going <laughs> to be completely honest with that. Uh, well, he, he lost me during AI, but, you know, not everybody's perfect, right. whatever. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I, I agree with you that that's something that he would love to do and battle in that era. And then to also be able to humanize everybody that's there. Uh, something, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of uh, war movies mm-hmm. uh, kind of a thing. It's just, it's too much for me. It's just way too much. Too much death, too much explosions, too much everything. But if it was a Spielberg uh, flick that he's doing in that way, plus it's a, you know, Blackhawk combo character, uh, sure, why wouldn't? Everybody be on board with that. Well, I think, yeah, Spielberg is such a master director. He's able to go jump around into all the different mediums. I feel like, I mean, if you didn't get a chance to see Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, that to uh-huh. me, especially I think it'll be in done IMAX, in that style. was so incredible. Tom Hardy in those, in those, in those plane sequences mm-hmm. was like, you know, the whole film, you're like on the edge of your seat. It was an incredible movie, but I feel like adding Spielberg and the way he shoots things and then adding the elements of having this kind of fun adventure team in World War II, everything about it is like, I'm 100% sold. What do you think, Ashley? I mean, truly, like, I'll be concerned about this movie if, when they ever start shooting it. Sure. <laughs> I think that Spielberg's made an interesting choice here by picking a character and a set of characters that are pretty obscure in the DC Comics realm. Yep. And also, uh, they can be completely untied to any continuity that we might have for a shared universe going forward, with the exception of maybe we have a Wonder Woman cameo. Maybe Chief shows up in yeah, this movie and joins right. the squadron. Like, that would be dope. But he'll be pretty unencumbered in the production process, which I think is the smartest choice about this particular property. Well, yeah, no doubt. No DC executive is going to be like, uh, Spielberg, can you come here? I've got a bunch of notes. Yeah. <laughs> walk, the, walk the plank. <laughs> like, just literally, see ya. Here's a golden parachute. What do you think? I think that Darkhawk is a prestige comic. It's got the, the history. Like Eisner, like you said, this Black is a Hawk. book. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Blackhawk. Uh, prestige comic. This is a book that is legendary amongst comics. And then Spielberg is Spielberg, and he loves World War Two. So to me, this just, I never would have thought of it on my own, but it made so much sense as soon as I read it. And I love what you're saying about the separate universes. I feel mm-hmm. like this can be kind of James Gunn thing. Like, yeah, like James Guardians Gunn, of the Galaxy. Yeah, James yeah. Gunn made his world, and it's Guardians. It's not mm-hmm. based off any one storyline. He made his own thing. And I feel like Steven Spielberg making something based off a comic will be a Spielberg movie, comma, a comic movie. And I'm okay <laughs> with that. And I think it's going to be fantastic. And I love how the reverence of this character is always like whenever you hear it like if you know the character there's a reverence the same as with Spielberg when you hear Spielberg you have like Amblin Entertainment there's a certain nest mm-hmm. to it it's their childhood yeah. so I love yeah. that another generation is getting a new childhood like this is yeah really cool. so you're gonna have to wait generation until 2021 it's not that far away it feels don't like the future don't have any babies until 2021 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite a long time away uh, you know what's not a long time away are these Twitter questions let's get right into them Jacob Lockett asks what negatively received comic book film of the last 40 years would you rate as your personal guilty pleasure Mine is Batman Forever. Will, Jacob, let me start. I will say, you know, it, it, The Shadow is one of those films for me that <laughs> like, is a guilty pleasure. I actually like scenes from The Shadow. Not the entire movie. So there's a lot of movies that, that are in the superhero genre where I can watch scenes from those films, mm-hmm. right. but not the entire film. So I don't know if that counts as like a from the beginning to end type of guilty pleasure, more so like, oh yeah, that one scene from, you know, this, you know, and there's other ones that I just will never watch again. But like I did do a revisit with Mystery Men and I hated it when it first came out. <laughs> And then I loved it when I saw it again, like two years ago. I was like, "Where, what, where was my brain? And what part of my brain was so negative about this? It's really fun." So that's those are two for me. What do you think? Yeah. What are yours? Uh, wow, forty years, dude. That's a long span. <laughs> um, for 
I loved Constantine. I love Constantine. Right on. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think people, I think that's, yeah, I think that was one of the. It's a plus. I loved it. There's a, but it's, it's some people, you either love Constantine or you hate it. There's no yeah. middle ground, really. I, I thought that Keanu Reeves uh, did a really good way of being, it was like, yeah, he's trying to be redeemed just because he's trying to get in heaven. Perfect. I love this. I'm on board. And how they depict hell. That was great. And how uh, <laughs> cats are halfway between the human yes. world and hell anyway. Right. And I'm like, yeah. But he's not yeah. a, br- a blonde British Englishman. <laughs> what do you think, what? Ashley? What are yours? Um, I refuse to have guilty pleasures. I don't feel bad about the things that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm too old to deal with stuff like that. I really like X3. When I watch the first two X-Men movies, I always want to watch X3 to cap it off. And then halfway through, you're like, oh, yeah, this is shit. But there are really great moments in it. Sure. And there are, like, we got the best version of Beast we've ever had. Kelsey Gray in the makeup and Kitty Pride. in X3 a great version of Kitty Pride. so for me like that's the one that I know it's bad but I still watch it every right time I got as soon as I saw Guilty Pleasure I thought Blade Trinity I'm the one guy on the planet that <laughs> likes all three of those movies no, I love Blade you're not the different. one guy because I also like <laughs> yes, the, all, all three, three of them are so all three different, and that gave us Deadpool uh, without Blade Trinity Ryan Reynolds wouldn't have picked up Deadpool because someone on set told him that was Deadpool and then Hannibal was born into Deadpool so that movie gave me everything so Blade Trinity is nice and it's an iPod commercial it's great yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get to the second question Ken Dusick is best well we don't know about that Ken but that's what your, your title is <laughs> do you think the Inhumans movie got changed to a TV show because Marvel were in talks with 20th Century Fox about the X-Men yes. like you said these talks have been going on for a while thanks a lot of the show well I don't think that that happened that way. I think the reason it got turned into a TV show is uh, if you go back into the you know the time period when Kevin Feige announced the Inhumans on that scoreboard at the El Capitan mm-hmm. when Phase Three was announced, Inhumans was announced as a movie. Cut to about a year later, no mention of that movie starting up. Cut to another year later, that movie's not on the books for a film; it's on the books for a TV show, and that's because. Marvel separated their movie division and their TV division, and Kevin Feige was not getting along with a lot of the people who are in charge of the television division, especially Ike Perlmutter. You'll hear that name a lot. He's only got like one photo of him on the internet. He's one of those like weird guys who floats around in an invisible car or whatever. But uh, he was in charge. He was like, look, I'm going to make The Inhumans as a TV show. And we saw what happened with that. Koi, what are your thoughts about it? I think that we couldn't have possibly known that long ago. I love the idea that that's what happened because I, I love the X-Men being tied in so integrally. And I, I hope that's what happens. I, I really hope that we had Phase Fantastic Four. But I don't think it was that far back, personally. How about you, Ashley? I don't either. I just think it's a nice conspiracy I theory. It. Yeah. <laughs> I want it to be as, true. As far as conspiracy theories go, Marquia had to leave off for another Ooh. job. So she's not here anymore. <laughs> <Where is> she? <laughs> Bye, Marquia. So anyway, let's move on. Robert Fletcher asked, my question is, do you think the DCMU, or DCFU as I like to call it, can build from where it is? If you use Deathstroke as an underlying thread through all the upcoming movies, recruiting the villains, and have it lead to Just League 2, that could set up the Legion of Doom. Robert Fletcher, Fleischer, you're absolutely right, but that's never going to happen. <laughs> I know, it sucks, doesn't it? Bums me out, too. Like, I love fans. Like, what if this an amazing thing? It won't happen. Will absolutely not happen. What do you think? A, a dark Nick Fury is fantastic idea. I love the idea of a death stroke. Like we're we're building a team of Revengers. Right. I love the idea. I don't think that the DC FU going forward is as cohesive. And I also love that. I personally think this Elseworlds thing, this individual movie thing, the 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 world that DC is building going forward, I'm so much more excited for. So I personally think there shouldn't be that strong of a through line. But if they're going to do it, Deathstroke's a really different idea. I love it. 
I mean, I definitely think there's a way to re-rehab or, like, redo the image that the DC film universe has right now. The characters and the IPs are good enough, and Wonder Woman proved it, that you have, you know, a lot of things that have to coincide at the same time. But you can make a great movie in that universe. Like, none of us think that that's an impossible thing to do. I don't think Deathstroke is the one to do it. I don't think uh, Chuck Mangione or whatever his name is who's playing that character. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to say his name. Jim Giuliano? But I watched King of the Hills. <laughs> that's Chuck Mangione, yeah. guys. Sorry, I could do that for an hour. <laughs> I'd watch it. I don't know if he's the one to do it. Um, I'll sum it up with that. Yeah, you know what? My favorite, One of my favorite parts of Just League was literally the last minute. Where like Deathstroke and Luther, I was like, finally, that's all I'll get. <laughs> I, I could, I could see. I'd be happy if that Luther went away forever. I'll, I will also say that. But you know what? I, honestly, for me, I want to see that Legion of Doom. Yeah. I'd like to see Jared Leto, like ah, 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 that guy. <laughs> I want to see all those weirdos. That should be Suicide Squad oh, too. I love that. that you want a reverse be, flash in there too? Yeah. Why I, not? Well, why not? Chuck them all in Michael there. Michael C. Hall's reverse flash. Yeah. Oh, I would watch. That. There we go. Carl <laughs> Brown. <laughs> Carl Brown has his next question. I think the best way to introduce the Fantastic Four to MCU have Reed Richards purchase Avengers Tower, but Richards is this MIT grad who won Stark Innovators Grant. Let Tony be the elder where Reed is young and upcoming millennial who has a team. Your thoughts? I like that idea. We've talked about the Fantastic Four taking over mm-hmm. the Avengers building. They've already set that up. Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. you know, they're moving everything out. Everything. We, the new owner needs this to be cleaned up. Well, who's the new owner? Is it Oscorp? Yeah. Is it Baxter Building? Mm-hmm. We don't know what it's going to be. My guess is in this Avengers Infinity War, you are going to see that, and you're going to see the Baxter Building logo, or you're going to see Oscorp. One of those two things you'll see. Mm-hmm. It's a setup, and it's a very easy setup. What are your thoughts? I don't know if I necessarily want the Fantastic Four and Baxter Corporation to come in and take over the Avengers. I like them more as a separate identity um, and a separate entity that emerges not as a rival but as a counterpoint to the Avengers. I would just love the revelation that they've been stuck in space since the 60s and they come back and they're all like Jetsons retro future. But any way that we get them is is good. I love that idea, too. What do you think? I love the 60s by way of a, a reality gem or some sort yeah. of alternate dimension. And I want them personally. I want them older. Personally, I would agree I, with I that. feel like uh, the ultimate Fantastic Four was the weakest of the ultimate titles mm-hmm. as far as trying to make that young and hip and flavor. I love the idea of the MIT thing. I think it's a great way to tie in that universe. But I, I, I see John Krasinski more than Miles Teller. I see George Clooney more than Miles Teller. I see my read. <laughs> and plus... To me, the Fantastic Four aren't a, a group. They're a family. And right. I, I mm-hmm. think the first family of Marvel needs to read like a family. And to yep. me, that's just older. So that's how I see it. Yeah, them. Johnny Storm is the young He's one. He's the kid. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, I feel the same way. I think the Ultimate Fantastic Four was fun. Mm-hmm. I read a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Never really hit me the way the original Fantastic Four hit me. Or even other people's runs where they were working with those original characters. Like John Byrne's Fantastic Four. Definitely check it out. Um, for myself, even the, all the movie versions. Say what you will about those first two Fantastic Four films. I'll just say I didn't like them, but um, they're cast better than the, the, the younger version. I would agree. So the, agree. the casting where you have the young Reed Richards and young Ben Grimm, they're in like high school and then college, and then, then they're making these fantastical negative zone devices. Harder to believe mm-hmm. than you might say uh, mid-30s Reed Richards who's gone through all this stuff and developed all this stuff. And you're like, oh, Reed Richards, he's well-known throughout the entire science community. Mm-hmm. So you want to establish those things where Tony Stark would have heard about Reed Richards. I would also love if they kept Reed a veteran because that's a part of his story, um, of Reed and Ben's story, that gets yeah. kind of lost in the fray with mm-hmm. the roving Marvel timeline. Right. And that's something that if we were going to bring them cinematically 
I don't know how to end that sentence. I would just love to see it on the big screen. Amadeus Cho <laughs> coming out of MIT would be cool. Like Amadeus Cho uh-huh. getting the grant. Or sure. Like some, Absolutely. I love the idea of the MIT aspect. So yeah. I'd love to bring Amadeus Cho or some other super genius mm-hmm. or, or Wasp, someone that's yeah. coming from that world. The new yeah. Wasp. Yeah, that, that, that part of your question is a great idea. I, don't, I just think it would be ill-served for Reed Richards. Sweaty question of the week comes from Mark Fawcett. Do you think that the Infinity War trailer may have pulled a Thor Ragnarok trailer, eye patch trick with the gauntlet? I think he may have more than two stones in one of those shots. Thoughts? I love that because we have been tricked many times already <laughs> by you, Marvel. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at that. Like, Thor and all those trailers until the movie came out, mm-hmm. had two eyes <laughs> in all the trailers. And in fact, even down to they animated electricity coming out of both eyes uh-huh. when he was going to fight Hela in scenes that aren't in the movie. So it's sort of like, it's okay. It didn't ruin the movie that that was like, oh, I feel betrayed and lied to. Didn't, none of that. It was actually good on you to keep that a secret. Even down to the Avengers Infinity War mm-hmm. trailer that we saw at San Diego Comic-Con, which came out before Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. We saw Thor hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy with both eyes. And we're like, what? So it's sort of like, they went to all that trouble. To, I mean, it's not that hard to put a digital eye patch on somebody I nowadays. Mean, After Effects is a, is a heck of a thing. And if they already yes. have one of those gems animated, all you have to do is copy pace and change colors. So yep. I don't know. I don't know if I buy your conspiracy theory, but it's definitely possible. I love it just just because that's such a cool idea. Yeah, it's like yeah, we yeah. already saw a scene where Thanos is doing that. He's like, he only has two stones. Not really. He's got all of them. You're like, <laughs> what? You know? Yeah, if you're going to use a trailer to move me in a direction, I'd rather be tricked than no. I'd rather be like misled in trailer form. I'd rather be surprised. So I hope that he has... I hope that they've done all sorts of crazy CGI that when we go back and watch the trailers, we're like, wait, 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 because we don't know anything about this movie we're seeing in five We don't know what the order of these scenes are or anything. I'll say this. The only trailer that I still comes to mind that really bugs me and rubbed me the wrong way when I finally saw the movie was Predators. (laughs) <laughs> where it was like all the all the, the marks showed up. And yeah. It was like oh, there's like forty predators, and it's actually two. I think it was like or one. <laughs> I remember extra lasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they just no, they just add a whole bunch of them. It's cool for the trailer. And then you're oh, like, you right. lied to me, you know. So that that, that was my betrayal. So. <laughs> Whatever. You know what? We're done. Roke is walking around with a sign. He's like, we're done with the show. And we're done with the show. Thanks, Coy, <laughs> Ashley, Marquia. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I'll see you next week. Stay little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.